the gospel. Don't you appreciate the gospel? Jesus died a death for you that you and I couldn't give ourselves. Born into this world, separated from God, the gift that he is to us, what we just celebrated over Easter. And and I just want to take this moment just to honor somebody in our church. Stan Anderson turning 78 today. Come on. He's given his life to tell people about the gospel, worked at Youth Challenge forever, and uh, just helping young men get their lives back on track. So we've got a card that we want to give Stan tonight. There you go, brother. No, I'm not giving you the microphone. But it's a nice try. It's a good ask. It's a good ask. So, But I was talking with Stan this morning, and... and uh, and, and, and uh, he said, you know what I want for my birthday? He said, I'd, if for, for 78 people to give $10 to, to Youth Challenge. I said, you should post that on Facebook, Stan. You should put that out there. So if you know Stan, I hope you go to his Facebook page, and I hope you make that gift. And the, the, the young men that he has worked with, this idea of the gospel, it's, it's powerful for all of us, but it's especially for powerful for people who feel like that that God could never forgive them because their list is too big. And so, Stan, we thank you for bringing the message of the gospel to the young men of the 757. Well, I'm excited that Shani's going to be preaching tonight and, and bringing the message, and I was just praying about how to uh, introduce her and uh, this morning, and 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 I in in Luke 18 came to mind the the parable of the widow and the unjust judge, and that story was important for us as a church family back in 2008. We felt like God gave us that parable to launch our year, uh, and and. Uh, uh, 2008 became what we called the year of his yes. Uh, we were meeting in the movie theater off of Victory Boulevard, and we had outgrown that movie theater, didn't have anywhere to go, and we felt like that was going to be the year that God said yes to us and enabled us to move on. In December of that year, uh, we moved into 28 Harpersville Road, where we worshiped as a church for the next eight years. And that parable really became a, a part of the culture of our church. It became a part of the DNA of our church. And I think about that parable because there's times in my life where I kind of step into what that parable talks about, and then I step back out of it. But Shani is someone who lives in that parable. She just lives in that place of interceding for this world uh, to see a move of God that historic uh, to come again. And so we appreciate her heart. Uh, we appreciate her passion. And, uh, and we appreciate how she's going to break open the book of Ruth for us tonight. So give Shani a warm City Life welcome as she comes. Thanks so much. Will you stand with me tonight as we pray? Father God. We thank you that you are worthy to receive all honor, all power, and all glory. For you created all things, and all things were created because you delighted in making them. And so I pray that you would awaken our hearts tonight, that you would lead us into conviction, that you would lead us into great healing. Awaken our hearts for our nation, Lord, because we are desperate for a nation that serves you. Amen. You may be seated. On April 20th, 1995, tragedy struck 
northern Uganda. Four years earlier to the exact day that the Columbine shooting struck here in the United States, overwhelming atrocities occurred in Uganda. Within a matter of hours, over 300 men, women, and children were brutally slaughtered. The Lord's Resistance Army, led by Joseph Kony, came in to the small village of Adiak, and they rounded up all the members of the Acholi tribe, and they began separating them by, by men and boys, and then women and young children. And then they lined up the, the men and the boys, and they just began shooting them, one after the other. I read a story this week of a young girl who was abducted into the Lord Tristan's army, and she was forced over and over to stab her sister. The atrocities go on. I mean, young boys and young girls abducted as child soldiers and sex slaves. The atrocities are so big that some of us may wonder, how can a community of people even possibly begin to heal? But I'm here to tell you, Nathaniel and I, we spent a few weeks in northern Uganda at the beginning of January, and we spent a lot of time up in Adiak, the very village that this massacre occurred. And I'm here to tell you that the, by the blood of Jesus Christ, that this community is coming together and step by step by step, they're walking into healing. Next Friday is the 23rd anniversary of this massacre. And day by day, year by year, they are coming together and they're believing in healing because they believe in Jesus Christ. You know, a massacre this large is something that's just so out of our worldview. It's something so hard for us even to wrap our minds around. I mean, here in the States, I pray we never have to face something like this. Never. But I'm here to tell you that if our brothers and sisters in Uganda can heal, then so can we. So can we. Let's face it. Here in the United States, we face a challenging time. We face a challenging time. It seems like over and over again, we hear about another school shooting. It seems like every day another woman comes out and shares that she was assaulted or harassed for years. We live in times where our military veterans are their highest rates for suicide. We live in times where our black men and women still face racism and injustice. We live in times where our police officers face new challenges and risk their lives every day on the job. We live in times where both mothers of black men and women and mothers of police officers worry some days that their sons and daughters may not even come home. And so my question to you tonight is how do we heal as a nation? If our brothers and sisters in Uganda are on this journey for healing, how do we? 
And there's a, a great story that we can look at tonight that shows us how we can heal as a nation. It doesn't give us all the answers, but what it does is it shows us how to walk in the character of the one who has all of the answers. The story is found in the book of Ruth. In your Bible, it should be right after Judges. And this is a story where great tragedy occurs. It's set during the period of the Judges, and during this period in time, Israel was living in great sin. And as a result of this sin, they were experiencing the brokenness of that sin. There was a famine in the land, and most Israelites were struggling just to survive, just to have enough food to survive day by day. And so there's this family, Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Kilian. They decide to leave Israel, and they go to Moab in search of food. But once they arrive in Moab, I mean, just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy occurs. Elimelech dies, then his two sons, Malon and Achilion, well, they marry two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. But then soon after that, Malon and Achilion die, leaving Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah as widows. And let's face it, being a widow back then was way more tragic than being a widow today. There were cultural, economic reasons. It was just a really hard time. But we see in the book of Ruth, you know, in the beginning of Ruth, there's this theme of of brokenness, of of fragmentation. But as the story progresses, we see this theme of restoration, of fullness, of healing. And I believe that we see this theme of restoration because of the actions of the characters within the book of Ruth. And so tonight, we're going to look at Naomi and Ruth and Boaz, the three key characters of this book, and looking at how their actions not only led into the healing of their own lives, but led into the healing of their family units, and really began this full restoration of all of Israel and beginning this restoration in all of mankind. And so tonight, let's begin by looking at Naomi. And one of the greatest things I think we can learn from Naomi is that in order for us to heal as a nation, we actually have to heal as individuals. And that, in order to heal as individuals, we can only heal fully within God's community. God is a good God, and when we're isolated from his community, he will bring a level of healing to us because he's a good, good father. But he desires us to be in community so that he can use his sons and daughters to bring full healing to us. One thing that Naomi does in the midst of tragedy is she arises. She arises and she runs to community and she refuses to remain isolated. In Ruth 1, verses 6 through 7, it says that Naomi arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, 
and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. There are four things that Naomi does in this passage. One, she arises. She arises from the tragedy. She arises from grief. She arises from depression. The second thing she does is she hears. She hears what God was doing among his people. Then she departs. She departs Moab. She departs where the enemy was trying to take her, and she returns. She returns, and she goes to God's people. She refuses to stay isolated. You know, some of you may be familiar with my own journey of PTSD that I've been on for really the last six years or so. And a lot of it really began surfacing within the last uh, year or two. And when I came back from Iraq over a year ago, tragedy just struck in my life. I mean, I had two friends commit suicide. I had a grandpa had a sudden heart attack and went to be with Jesus. I was really struggling with many things. And, And during that season, I was really having a lot of anxiety with being in crowds. This setting right here was really, really challenging for me. And so week after week, which seemed like month after month after month, I would literally be in tears in the car driving to church because I was so afraid to be in a large crowd. Sometimes Nathaniel would even pull over the car and just hold me in his arms and pray for me. And then we'd come in, and I'd practice, my, I'd practice my breathing techniques that my counselor taught me just to be in the audience. But something in that time period of my life arose, and I knew that I had to be in God's community. I knew that that season would not last forever. And while I was in that season, I was going to be with God's people. It was so important for me not to be isolated. And so what about you? I know so many of you are going through so many things. Are you surrounding yourself with God's people? Some of you, maybe you've been out of the church and you're just now just getting back in and and it's uncomfortable for you to be here maybe. I just want to encourage you, no matter what you're walking through in this journey of your life, be with God's people. If City Life Church is not your home, let us help you find a church. And if you consider this your home, let me ask you, how are you involved? Are you serving? Have you signed up for a life group? Are you going to sign up for a life group tonight? Do you have people in this church that you can be vulnerable with, that know where you're at? God has full healing for you. And he wants you to be on the journey with him and his people Because he has treasures in his people that he wants them to impart on you. Be in God's community. Another thing that I can think we can learn from Naomi is how to not stay in bitterness. In chapter 1, verse 20, when she first arrives back to God's community, you know, Imagine this. Imagine someone used to attend City Life Church like 20 years ago or so. And they had a family, but, but then all of a sudden this one woman comes in. And she's looking a little disheveled. She's, her husband is gone. Her kids are gone. And she's got one foreign girl that's by her side. And she comes in and she says this. She says, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. 
for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. You know, Naomi gets a lot of bad rep for saying this. She does. Well, let's be real. She just lost her husband and her two sons. Almost everything that's near and dear to her heart, she lost. She lost that. And the thing that I give Naomi credit for is she didn't stay there. There's not one other place in the book of Ruth besides in this first chapter where she makes this statement. Bitterness does not define her identity. Mara is not her permanent name. And she keeps going forward. She stays in God's community. And she does not stay in bitterness. You know, when I was going through that rough season, my, my counselor, actually, by the way, I cannot recommend enough professional Christian counselors. Counselors that follow the Bible. Counselors that are led by the Holy Spirit. When you are going through rough times, you need help. And, I, and if you're here tonight going through something rough, ask me, ask Pastor Fred or Vanessa, we can recommend a counselor for you. It's such a, such a big part of the journey, such a big part of the journey for healing. But one of the things that my counselor, she gave me this homework when I was going through this rough time, and she said, I want you to work out intensely, and while you're working out, I want you to fully engage with all of your emotions with God. She said, the point of working out wasn't to get my body in shape. It was to be able to express to God in a new way. And, and I looked at her honestly, and I was like, you're a crazy woman. You're a crazy woman. I'm not going to do that. But soon, I took her advice. And literally, I mean, I looked, I went to Fort Monroe at my house, and I'm like running around my house. I'm so angry. You know? I'm doing push-ups, and I'm like, I hate this, you know? And like, and I'm just like doing all this stuff. And, and at first, honestly, I'm laughing at myself. I'm like, she's crazy. I'm crazy, whatever. But then, I mean, I began, it, I, my heart began to break. And I just began to pour my heart out to God. And God, I was like, God, I'm so frustrated for what I saw in Afghanistan. God, I'm so frustrated by the way ISIS brutalizes people in Iraq. God, I'm frustrated with the state of our nation. I'm frustrated that we have racism here in the States. God, 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 I just began to pour my heart out. And every time I did this, I fully engaged with God, I began to weep. And, and in those moments, see, I believe the Lord just poked his hand right in my heart and broke pieces of it. And as I engaged with him, it was impossible for me to sink into bitterness. It was impossible because I was engaging with him in a new way. I was engaging with him in a new way. And so I think in order to do this, we need to follow the example of, of the Psalms and David because he does this too. Right? In the Psalms, David doesn't go around and be like, oh Lord, I pray that she would rid us of racism. Oh God, I hate it. You don't know. No. <laughs> Some Psalms, David's like, I pray that you would rain down fire on these people, right? <laughs> then he's like, God, you've forsaken me, you've left me, like all this stuff. But in almost every one of these Psalms that he's saying these types of things, he ends it with, Oh God, you are my fortress. You are my strong tower. You 
are the shadow of wings that I stay under. And so there's something physical that he that happens in his body and his heart in those moments, and that stops him from going into bitterness. And in a nation where we face racism, where we face gun, gun violence, when we face all these hard things, we have to engage with God, because if not, we'll become bitter at certain people, we'll become bitter at our leadership, we'll become bitter at the church. We have to engage with God in a new way. And so some of you, you may need to try those exercises out, and I can help you with that. <laughs> so Naomi, she teaches us that we must heal as individuals. But, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. So now I want to shift focus and talk a little bit about Boaz. Because Boaz, see, he, I think, teaches us about how to set a space for others to heal. When Boaz, the first thing that Boaz teaches us is to engage with others who are different than us and to see people as God sees them. You see, when Boaz first encounters Ruth in the field scene in chapter 2, he has every reason not to engage with her. She's a Moabite. He's an Israelite. He's a man. She's a woman. He's a man of great economic wealth and influence, and she is a widow with basically nothing living on the margins. But he chooses to engage with her. He chooses to listen to her story. When Boaz asks to help Ruth in chapter 2, she asks him in verse 10, she says, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz replies to her in verses 11 through 12, he says, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. See, Boaz takes the time to hear her story, and he sees her as God sees her. You know, Nathaniel and I, a few weeks ago, we went to the grocery store, and we met this man named John Artis. And let's be real, on the surface, he's an older black man. He had a very large case of beer. It was pretty late at night. And as we began chatting with him, it appeared that he was somewhat chemically imbalanced. <laughs> he, you know, he, he told us, he was like, I was in a movie. And I was like, that's cool, man. That's great. And, uh, and then he said, and I fought in, in the Supreme Court. And I was like, wow, those are two really big things. That's pretty cool, man. I like that. Yeah, okay. And so we chatted a little bit more, and then we went our way. I went, we went with our ice cream. He went with this case of beer and went home. And uh, Nathaniel and I were like, let's, let's Google this guy. I mean, who knows? Phoebus has a lot of crazy figures, but you just never know who you're going to run into, right? And so this guy, everything you said was true. <laughs> right? And so it turns out that John Ortiz, there was a movie made about him. Hurricane is the movie. Him and his friend, 
1967, were convicted. Two black men falsely charged with killing three white men. He was sentenced, I believe, to life. He served 15 years until the judge threw out the case because it had no founding. Let's face it, on the surface, we see its brokenness. We see the years of racism, the, ra the years of injustice. He spent 15 years in jail away from his family. He did nothing wrong 15 years of his life because of racism and injustice. When I got home and began to read his story, and there's also some interviews he, he does online, and I begin to weep, weep. I didn't just weep because of the brokenness, because the amount of racism and injustice that he faced, although that was a big part of my weeping. But the reason that I really wept was because I saw the courage of this man. And as I sat there that night, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me an understanding to be able to see John Ortiz like he sees him, like he sees him. And so, who are you engaging with that's different than you? Are you walking with people that are, are different skin tones than you, different socioeconomic backgrounds, people that have far different stories, stories that maybe stretch you a little bit? Are you walking with them, and are you engaging with people? Are you being patient enough to be able to see the way that God sees them? You see, Boaz didn't judge Ruth for her brokenness. He engaged with her. He listened to her story, and he saw her as God saw her. But he didn't stop there. See, the second thing we can learn from Boaz is that he used his influence and resources to act on her behalf. He used his influence and resources to not only allow her to heal, but he allow her to thrive. You see, he provided in a very basic level. When she walked into his field, he told her, you stay in my field. You don't go to another field. You have all the food you need. My workers, they won't harm you. You stay with my maids. You stay here. And matter of fact, eat with me and my workers. Oh, and also take some grain and bring it to your mother-in-law, Naomi. I'm going to provide for you because you've been through a lot and I see your potential. Right? And so how are you meeting people in a very practical way? Are you, are you looking for people in your workplace that you can allow to advance, to thrive, and to heal? Are you inviting people into your homes, providing them food, giving them space to share their stories, giving them space to feel safe? How are you meeting people with your finances, with your time? What about when you see homeless veterans on the corner? Are you shaking their hands? Are you seeing their, them the way that God sees them? And Boaz didn't just use his practical resources to meet her. He actually was the key player that invited her in to the Israelite community. See, Ruth was a Moabite. She was an outsider. But the actions of Boaz actually allowed her to come into God's community. You see, I believe that our greatest influence and resources is God's children, besides inviting, besides introducing people to Jesus himself, is bringing them into the local church. And so are you bringing people into the local church? 
You know, I believe that Nathaniel and I are going to run into John Ortiz again one day, and I'm praying for it to be soon. And I believe that when he's going to come here to City Life Church, and I believe that as he begins to to be among God's people, we're going to see the brokenness from racism and justice just begin to fall off his shoulders. And then we're going to see the courage in him rise up. And he's going to have an encounter with the living Jesus Christ. And he's going to walk in greater authority than he's ever walked into his life. So Naomi taught us, hey, in order to heal as a nation, we have to heal as individuals within community. Boaz, he teaches us, hey, how do we set a place for others to heal? Ruth, oh, Ruth, man, she is amazing. One of the things that I think she teaches us is how to be an agent of the Father's heart. How to literally be his hands, how to literally be his words, how to literally be his feet. You know, if you look closely at the story of Ruth in the book of Ruth, it's really hard to find anything wrong with what she does. Like, we don't even see any of her sin. We don't see any of her weaknesses. Sometimes I'm reading some of the things that she says, and I'm like, wait, is that Ruth saying that? Or is that God himself saying that? I mean, in the first chapter... When Naomi says to Orpah and Ruth, after all this tragedy has occurred, Naomi says, hey, you go back to your families. Go back to, to Moab. Orpah goes back. And I think many of us would too. We would go back to our families. We probably wouldn't follow our mother-in-law to an unknown place. But Ruth, see, Ruth clings to Naomi. And in clinging, she actually shows the very hand of God. She When I think of the actions and words she says in this first chapter, I think of God saying, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Ruth actually steps into that moment and is that moment. And we see the same interaction with her and Boaz. I mean, there are words and and things that Ruth does in interacting with Boaz that actually sets him up to step into his own calling as a son of God. Boaz would not be able to step into this calling that he did if it wasn't for the actions of Ruth. And it's funny because Ruth was actually a new Christian in our our standards. I mean, she was actually coming into the body in in the book. And so, how are you tonight? Do you think of the moments that you can be an agent in the Father's heart? Do you realize that you can be his literal words to someone? His literal hands, his literal feet. You know, when Nathaniel and I went to Uganda at the beginning of the year, we were in like way over our heads. I mean, let's be real. Like, God set it up for us to go. We knew we were supposed to go, but like, we just, we felt overwhelmed. And and you know, one thing that I like to do before I go on trips is I like to research everything. And then I want to know about the people group. You know, I want to feel them. I want to understand their brokenness. I want to understand the things they've gone through. And so I was getting ready to do that before we went. But all of a sudden, God was like, wait, 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 wait. Not this time. I don't want you to research. And I'm like, what? This is a good thing, God. Like, come on, you know. And he said, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me on this one. 
And so we got there, and I'm telling you, I have never connected more with the people group in my life than I did in Uganda. It felt like we knew these people for 20 years. And the whole time that we were there, it was like a dance with my father. God would, God would speak to me, okay, say this, speak this, pray for this person. Okay, go just sit with this person. Listen, just listen. And one specific man, God just ministered to him and to me through our encounter. Pastor David, God, God told me, I want you to go and sit, sit with him. And so we were eating lunch, and we were just sitting down. And all of a sudden, Pastor David begins to share with me. You know, it was really hard when I was nine years old and I heard torture for the first time. It was really hard when I heard someone raped for the first time. And then tears just began to well in his eyes. And he just began to say, people shouldn't have to experience things this hard. And as he began to, to cry, I began to cry. And the Lord set a table before us that day. Pastor David turned in to be a Ruth to me. He was an agent of the Father's heart that brought intense healing to my heart. And then God used me as a Ruth to him because I was able to say things and listen to him in a way that God ministered to the depths of his heart. We sat as brothers and sisters from totally different worldviews, knowing nothing, very little about each other, and God used us to be agents of his heart. You know, you might look at our nation, you might be a little bit overwhelmed. Let's be real. Say that you're a white person and you don't understand racism. Say that you're like, Man, I just, I've never experienced racism myself. How am I supposed to actually minister to one of my friends that has faced racism? Or maybe you have friends that are in the military or in the police force, and you're like, I don't know, I've never faced danger like that. I don't even know what PTSD is like. I can't say anything to them. Like, that's, that's crazy. But let me just say, you are a son and daughter of God. God has given you everything you need to minister. He just wants you to be an agent of his heart. You know, and sometimes the greatest ways that we can minister is just sitting with people. It's just listening to them, hearing their hearts, being there as they cry, right? Ruth was an agent of the Father's heart. She was an agent of the Father's heart. Will you stand with me as the worship team comes forward? You know, one of the things I love about the story of Ruth is it ends with the genealogy of David. Right? At the end of the book, Naomi is holding baby Obed, David's grandpa. <laughs> and David's life turns into the genealogy of Christ, of Jesus. Jesus is our only healer, our only healer. 
And so the actions of Ruth, the actions of Naomi, the actions of Boaz lead into the line of Jesus Christ. And he is our healer for today. He is the only healer for our nation. He is the only one that can bring redemption. He is the only one that can bring reconciliation. And we have him here today. We can encounter him at any point in our lives, at any time, at any time. And not only do we have Jesus, but we have this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, believing for healing for our nation. Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, they're cheering us on. They're believing for healing for racism. They're believing for healing from PTSD. They're believing from healing for betrayal, from anxiety, from all the thing, all the brokenness of this world. You know, before this week, I sent a message to my brothers and sisters in Uganda. And I said, will you pray for our nation? I said, you know, we have not gone through the suffering that you guys have. We can't even wrap our minds around it. But we face suffering in different ways. And we as a nation, in some ways, we feel, I feel like we're sinking further and further away from God. And we're, we're experiencing the brokenness of our sin. The brokenness of our sin. But here's the thing. Healing starts with us. And our Ugandan brothers and sisters are praying for us right now. It's like one in the morning in Uganda, and they told me they were going to be up tonight praying for you. Pastor Sam and Pastor Eve told me, yes, we're going to pray. We're going to gather our whole church, and we're going to pray every Friday for you. We're going to pray every Friday for the City Life Church. We're going to pray every Friday for America. And so they're leading the way in believing for healing from our nation. And so my challenge to you tonight was, will you, will you follow their lead? You know, it says in Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name, yeah. it doesn't say if President Trump, it doesn't say if the broken, it doesn't say if your boss, it says, if my people who are called by my name yeah. will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face, yeah. then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. He will act if we act. If we come first, we need to repent first. It starts with the church body. Yeah. And so I want to call you tonight. This altar is open. Our brothers and sisters are on their knees praying right now. Will you join them on their knees up here and praying for our nation? Will you come? Will you pray? Will you cry out against racism? Will you cry out against injustice? Will you cry out for our nation? Because God has wholeness for us. He has healing for us. Will you come? Will you come?